Welcome to the Sweetest and Toughest Job podcast. I'm Rachel Olson, your host, mama to three kids ages five and under, and as you can probably relate, I'm trying to figure this whole parenting thing out. On the show, I'm chatting with subject matter experts and other parents to hear their stories, all in efforts to gather information and perspectives to share with this amazing mama community. We cover all kinds of topics relating to pregnancy, the postpartum period, and parenting in general. Thank you for being here and joining me on this journey as we explore the very sweetest, but also toughest, job. Hi friends, and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Thank you so much as always for being here. Today I'm joined by Carly Hamilton-Jones. She is a mom of three and a mindset coach who helps high-achieving women dissolve mental roadblocks as they move forward to create a purposeful life and business. She herself has overcome many roadblocks in her life, and we're talking all about her journey to motherhood. I do want to warn people that we do talk about pregnancy loss, so if this is a sensitive subject for you, first of all, my heart goes out to you, but I also wanted to just let everybody know that that is something we talk about. She also talks about overcoming anxiety in her life, and we're discussing how she's now helping other women. We talk about how overwhelm, self-doubt, and perfectionism are often obstacles that stand in the way of our big life and business goals. I think these can be hard things for moms to navigate as we're trying to be there for our kids and wear the many hats that we all do. So Carly guides women through mindset strategies and gives them the tools and perspectives to move forward with confidence. She is, like I said, a mom of three and lives in Saratoga Springs, New York. I hope you enjoy my chat with Carly today. Here it is. Today I'm joined by Carly Hamilton-Jones. Hi, Carly. Hi, how are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. Thanks for having me. Um, Let's just jump in and maybe you can tell everybody a little bit about yourself and your background and your family. Yeah, sure. Um, Well, I am a coach. I help women dissolve their mental roadblocks. So as they move forward and create a purposeful direction and purposeful life for themselves, that they have the tools and the strategies and perspective to kind of move out of their own way, stop spinning their wheels, and to find success. So that's currently what I do. I, well, I'm a mom of three. I, I'll start there. Okay. <laughs> I, have, I have a 15-year-old, a 13-year-old, and an 11-year-old. And I got into coaching because when I first started my journey after college, I was in business, I was in human resources, kind of moved my way up the corporate ladder, and then realized that something was missing, and I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to kind of give back and find a purpose myself. So I got my master's degree and ended up becoming a school counselor, high school counselor, so I worked with teens. And then after my third child was born, well, actually, I took off two years between each each child and kept my got to keep my job as a high school counselor, which was awesome. I didn't get paid, but like I had it on hold. And then I on my after my third child, I just made a, the decision to 
not return. And then I kind of just went through the whole parenting of three kids, three young kids. And then my youngest went to elementary school and I kind of just, it was like I turned 40 and I was like stuck. Like all of the anxieties and fears that I kind of had struggled with throughout my life and just not knowing what my next path was going to be and having felt like I checked off all of my boxes in life and that I was like, oh my gosh, now what do I do? And it felt really scary to all of a sudden almost like have another chance at life and not knowing what I'm doing except feeling like I was dealing with all the baggage that I kind of pushed under the rug for years while I was raising my kids. So then I just did a lot of work. I figured out I wanted to be a coach and I really spent like the last six and seven, six to seven years doing mindset work, working with coaches, courses, books, um, and really just figuring out how to not only get clear on what I wanted, but also to really create the mindset that was going to get me to that space. And that kind of brings me to here. I, I, that's, such a great journey. And I imagine, so I'm not there yet. My oldest is five, so she'll be in kindergarten next year. Um, but I imagine kind of what you experienced is not uncommon for moms. Like once your kids start going to school more, you have a lot more or different time, I guess I should say. And you're kind of in a different place in your life than when your kids are so much younger. So is that kind of what prompted the shift and kind of how you felt? Yeah, and what I and what I noticed from where I am now and where I was is that it, it's all the same stuff. Like we're we're constantly bombarded with distractions and busyness and pleasing and doing this for someone and doing that for someone, and we don't give ourselves that time because we don't have it, right? Like it's not mm-hmm, no one's giving, mm-hmm. no one, no one's offering it to us on a silver platter. <laughs> um, yeah. So we have to actually like figure out how we're going to take that time to figure out what it is. But yeah, it is, it's a scary feeling. I mean, for me it was for sure. And then that feeling of, I thought I like, I wanted to be home because that's where my heart was tugging me to be home with my kids. But I also like knew I was meant for something else. And it was that just strange feeling of now what? So I want to talk a little bit about um, kind of your, I guess, going way back since your kids are 15, 13, and 11, um, what, what, what your journey to motherhood was like. So did you, I guess, how long have you been married and um, kind of what, what was the journey like to, to starting a family? Yeah, I, uh, my, my husband and I got married when we were 26. So we met, we met in college. And then took some time to just have fun. And um, he actually lived in a different town. And then we got married in 99. So we've been married. We just celebrated our 20th wedding anniversary. Congratulations. Thank you. And I knew I wanted to have kids. And I had, I, so I got pregnant and I actually had two miscarriages. Um, I think I was around 29 when I had my first miscarriage. And then I... Um, that was devastating, obviously. And then I had, then I waited another month or two and I tried again and I had a second miscarriage. And so I did have some infertility issues and wasn't sure what to do. I don't know, you know how far you want me to go into this with you, but um, yeah, it was a scary place to be. And it was also a lot of people saying to me, well, you had two miscarriages, just keep trying. So, um, you know, like you have to have three in order to really, you know, get help with the fertility at the time. I don't know what it's like now, but that's how it was for me. So I really had to push to 
figure out, you know, from doctors if they would help me to get pregnant because I didn't want to go through that and risk going through that again. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That must've been really scary. And especially, um, for your first, I mean, I think a miscarriage absolutely anytime is a horrible thing to go through, but you must've been scared wondering like, is this ever going to happen for me? Yeah. You know, the thing is, and I, I do worry an awful lot about things. Like it's just in my, you know, genetic makeup, my mother's, mm-hmm. I guess, to worry, like to think of the worst case that can happen. But I was so blindsided by my first miscarriage. I honestly don't think I ever had thought about it. Like I was just so excited to be pregnant that it did not even cross my mind. So I remember going in and we were going to you know, get to get an ultrasound and hear the heartbeat. And it was just, I was in complete shock. It was really hard. Yeah. And so after the second one, then the third time you got pregnant, was that when you were successful? So, yeah. So I, then I tried again a month later and then I said, okay, well, I, I was struggling to feeling like I was out of control, right? Like there was no, I, like, I could not control the situation. I didn't know what I could control and it was really difficult to not be able to control this thing. And so something that I did shortly after was prior to getting pregnant, my friend and I were going to run a marathon, try to run a marathon together. And um, she got pregnant and, and she, you know, she did not have a miscarriage. So she was eight months pregnant or whatever when I had my miscarriage. And so I made a decision to run the marathon by myself and I was not even a runner, um, you know, like here and there, wow. miles or whatever, but not a runner. But it was one of those things that I, I feel like I needed to do for myself just to prove to myself that I did have control over something. Um, so I did that and I waited a little bit and then I actually was in Massachusetts during all that and I moved to New York and I started saying OBGYN right away and she said, oh, I can help you with this. And then they put me on some fertility drugs and um, I got pregnant. That's awesome. That must have been just amazing to have, you know, be on that journey and then um, be successful. It was amazing, but it was like amazing after the fact during Mm -hmm. it. It was so, so scary because once you've already experienced the two losses, like it's really hard to be in the present moment with your pregnancy and to enjoy it because you're just so, so scared. So I'm curious what would be um, kind of your advice on I guess what you could say to a friend, if you, if you know somebody that's going through this um, or that has had a miscarriage and maybe you end up getting pregnant. Cause I think this is such a sensitive, um, a sensitive topic, obviously. And I know personally, I mean, I can't, I don't know what the statistic is, but I know that the majority of women will have a miscarriage at one point or another. Um, so it's a very, unfortunately common thing. Um, and I think the hardest thing is to know how to support someone going through it. So I was just curious what you kind of thought about that. I think the best thing for pretty much anyone that's grieving really is to, I'll just give them that space to really feel into it and just to be there for them and understand because, you know, it really takes time and everyone heals at their own pace so I would mm-hmm. say, yeah, just the support of being there for them and allowing them to grieve. 
I was actually at a holiday concert choir and I was in the bleachers singing. I was in first grade and the, the one of my classmates behind me fainted and she kind of fainted forward you know slightly gracefully and I look back and I was so scared and it just startled me and caused me anxiety that I actually fainted out of the fear of watching oh my gosh Oh my gosh. <laughs> but These I, two I, little like seven-year-olds fainting. That's crazy. I know. It was so <laughs> crazy. And so I was not as graceful. I actually like flailed to the floor, had a seizure, broke my glasses. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So you can, as you can probably imagine, it was pretty traumatic for me. And back then, like there wasn't really like a thing for anxiety, right? Like people didn't mm-hmm. talk about it like they do now. And so I continued to faint, not all the time, but enough where I started to develop a fear of fainting, like a legitimate fear of fainting. So whenever I was in church or I went to the dentist or anywhere where I was like in a closed space and I couldn't distract myself by leaving or doing something else, I would start to work myself up and have a panic attack. And I didn't really have coping skills for that. Like I didn't, like my mom kind of knew what was going on, but she didn't really talked to me about it. So it was, I kind of kept it almost like secretive to myself, a little mm-hmm. bit of shame and a little bit of just like not knowing. And um, so what I would do is I would either like pull my hair or pinch my skin when I thought I was going to faint to get my brain to focus on something else. So really I did that. I kind of went through life. I was completely functioning. Nobody would have, you know, nobody knew that I was struggling with this. And then as I got older, like it went away at college, I was very distracted. Whenever I was distracted, it was fine. So it did, like I mentioned at the beginning, it all kind of came back to me. My late thirties, I started having health anxiety and I would, you know, kind of, um, fixate and like say I had an ache or pain and then go into Google and search that up and then get myself all worked up. And actually like, I'm pretty sure I created physical symptoms that I was worried about at times. Mm-hmm. And so then finally, kind of the same time, like the exact same time, my oldest, my, my youngest went to kindergarten is when I, that was kind of the tipping point when everything was just there and I like had to deal with it. Like it was just getting kind of worse I was um, scared of driving and a highway. And um, so I just had to really learn to shift my mind. And what I kind of just what I realized most importantly is that I do have control and we all do over our thoughts and our feelings. But I don't know. I was never taught that. And I don't know if anyone's being taught it really, but Mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. had to learn it. I don't. Yeah, it definitely is talked about more now, but it still isn't talked about enough, right? Because um, there are just so many stigmas around feeling those feelings, I guess. Um, and I think that it plays a lot into postpartum um, as well for just like the realm of what we're talking about, what, what I talk about in this podcast a lot. Um, and I think the hard thing is is women and moms like identifying what they're going through, because I think sometimes when you have anxious feelings and, you know, you're having, um, thoughts and episodes and stuff, you're, you, you don't realize that anything's kind of like out of the ordinary. I don't know if that kind Mm. of makes sense. Um, so I think that just identifying what you have and knowing that you're, you're not the only one that might be experiencing stuff like that is half the battle. Yeah, for sure. And I think, I know for a while, what I would do is when I wasn't 
anxious, I would just go on and live my life. And then I would be anxious again. And then I get, I would manage. Right. And then I would go on and live my life again. And eventually I realized that it has to be a, a regular practice of changing our thoughts and mm-hmm. working on our, our beliefs and our feelings and all of that stuff, even when we don't necessarily feel anxious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does that, that make sense? sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. It really does. Um, so what are, what are some things, I guess, that you're helping moms with now in the current business that you've built? Well, I like to really deal with fear and anxiety in terms of how it's going to, you know, once we look at that and lean into it, how it's going to allow us to up-level. So how, like if a woman or a mother has an idea that she might want to pursue, whatever it is, it could be, you know, she wants to start creating, you know, better health, like healthy habits. She wants to maybe look for a job that she like really feels like she could be great at. She wants to maybe even start her own business. Any kind of glimmer or spark of an idea that she has lingering there that she feels like she'll never be able to get to or she's putting off thinking like, well, when my kids are, you know, in five more years, in 10 more years, or, you know, when it gets a little easier, when things are less crazy and all of that in terms of procrastination or perfectionism or overwhelm and how that's actually at the root of that is the fear and anxiety that we move through. And so we can kind of, so they can go through that and then see the possibilities and potential that they have and make steps forward in it to see that success. So I really just create this belief for them that they might not necessarily have enough of to keep going or to start. Mm-hmm. And I think starting is oftentimes the hardest part, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Especially, you know, with moms, because there's a lot of mom guilt out there, right? Like so much mom guilt. <laughs> so much mom guilt all the time, never goes away. <laughs> no, it never, ever goes away. So really dealing with that is, is huge. Well, and I talk about this a lot on my podcast with different guests, but um, some of that mom guilt is really associated around doing things for yourself and, and finding your own purpose and passions and knowing how to act on that and knowing the right time to do that. Um, because I think that as you kind of alluded to in the beginning of our conversation, um, you know, life is so busy with young kids, with any kids. I mean, you, you have teenagers, so I'm sure it's crazy busy as well at that stage of life. Um, yeah, it doesn't get any less busy. Okay. (laughs) It doesn't. <laughs> that's a that's a public service announcement. <laughs> useful information, terrifying yeah. but useful. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that's it. I mean, that's that's what the challenge is, right? Is um, you know, helping your kids along the way. You're so busy, like helping them grow, taking them to their activities, um, making sure they're doing well in school, and um just being a mom and then where's the time for yourself it it's tough sometimes to find that and and not i'm not talking about like your work or um you know obligations but really just finding like what makes you spark and what you enjoy yeah for sure because even if we have like say we carved out 20 minutes like what are we even going to do in that time right like mm-hmm, you don't mm-hmm. feel like you have enough time to even start anything right so a lot of times 
you're like, oh, you know, this self-care thing is always being thrown around these days, but like, what does it even mean? And say I have 20 minutes to do something, well, what can I really start, right? Like we think that it's going to take a lot longer than that. And so we don't even bother. And that that's so funny that you bring that up because I think that's um, as a new parent or a parent of like, you know, I'm talking about infants and real young kids. Oftentimes that's all you really have is like 20 minute increments. And it can be so overwhelming to feel like, oh my gosh, I have to do something with this free time, quote unquote, free time that I have. Like, what should I do? And you look at the dishes and you look at the laundry and you look at like, you know, I don't know your kid's homework or, um, whatever else needs to be done. And it's just, you, you don't even start anything. Cause you're like, well, 15 minutes has gone by and all I've done is thought about it. <laughs> yeah. And I always laugh because it's like the pressure of putting the self-care in is absolutely yeah. like worse than if we hadn't even tried to do it in the first place. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, um, where can everybody connect with you and find you and, um, yeah, I guess find you. Yeah. Well, I, I'm everything is Carly Hamilton Jones. So my Instagram is Carly Hamilton Jones. My website's www.carlyhamiltonjones.com. Facebook, same. And I, I do have, if your listeners are interested, a freebie that is a daily dose. I call it a day, my daily dose. And it's a, quite, a PDF of five really quick questions to ask yourself every morning. Um, you know, but to not get upset with yourself if you don't get to it, um, mm-hmm. you know, so be, be compassionate with yourself, but to have it five really quick and simple questions to ask themselves, just to get them on the page of thinking of themselves first, what they need, even if they get, don't get to it, how they want to feel and what they want to focus on. Super simple. And I just give them that little practice of setting that five minutes aside. I love that. That's, that's attainable. I feel like <laughs> maybe yes. not every day, but. <laughs> and sometimes, some days you, cho- you can choose not to do it, right? Like you, you get the choice. That's awesome. Well, I will um, link all of this information in my show notes and um, also post it on my website. Thank you so much for your time and um, just your thoughts and your wisdom. And I'm disappointed to know that life doesn't get less busy, but not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Hopefully that was, you know, advice that will be, um, not, I don't know. No one will be throwing tomatoes at me after that. <laughs> no, totally teasing. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Thank you, Carly. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Head over to sweetestandtoughestjob.com. You'll find additional episodes there as well as information from today's episode resources, and links. We'd love to connect with you on social media at Sweetest and Toughest Job on either Instagram or Facebook. And a special thank you to Mackay Pace for all the original music used.